Thank you for listening to Ivy Podcast, where we feature weekly leadership conversations with thought leaders and industry experts. Now, here is your host, Fred Obiero. Hello, and welcome to the Ivy Podcast. My guest today is Amin Kazaroni, Chief Data and Analytics Officer at Orange Theory Fitness. How are you, Amin? How's it going? I'm doing good, Fred. Thanks for having me on. Pretty excited to chat with you today. Wonderful. Before we start this episode, I have one small request to our listeners. As we continue to grow the Ivy Podcast, we would appreciate if you would take just a minute of your time to leave us a review on the show because reviews make a huge difference to podcast channels like ours. Now, time for the episode with Amin. So, Amin, tell us about yourself and a little bit about your role at your uh, Orient Theory Fitness. Absolutely, Fred. So, you know, like you said, my role at Orange Theory Fitness is that of the Chief Data and Analytics Officer. Uh, over the course of my career, I've had an opportunity to use machine learning in and data and analytics really in a variety of fields ranging from clinical research, medical imaging, uh, data warehouse design, e-commerce, and now uh, health, and well, uh, health and wellness. You know, my core areas of interest within the data space kind of shifts depending on the problem I'm tackling at any given time. But I think what's particularly exciting to me is just identifying a domain that's a data rich environment, operationalizing those large volumes of data, turning them into, you know, scalable customer solutions, strategic initiatives. Uh, one of my core beliefs is trying to build experiences and not just be an algorithm factory or a reporting factory. So driving experiences, driving insights, driving decisions rather than uh, pieces of tooling. So that's something we're at. Uh, doing at Orange Theory now. Orange Theory in particular is extremely exciting to me because, you know, I've not had a deep connection to fitness and health and wellness uh, in my my entire life, except an acute awareness that I needed more of it. And I Uh think that Orange Theory's mission just spoke to me. uh, The mission of more life and uh, the the purpose-driven nature of the brand and just how impactful it is in the way it's changing the lives of the people that are members at Orange Theory, mine included, in the last two years that I've been a member, uh, even more than I've been an employee sometimes. <laughs> and just using data for that has been just an unbelievably fulfilling experience over the last two years. That's great. And I have a follow-up to that. So you work for a health and fitness company. I'm curious to know, are there any parallels or differences between a healthcare fitness company that's focused on tech or just a typical tech company from um, a strategic perspective of technology and analytics? What, what's your take on that? You know, I think I can answer that even from a slightly more generic perspective is that there's fundamental differences in quote unquote tech companies and companies that are not tech companies. There's a lot mm-hmm. of companies that I believe are operating like these tech forward, digital native, uh, organizations that just have a a finger on the pulse of what modern technology and capabilities afford you, even if their domain is not that of technology. I'm not talking about a company whose product is technology. It could be uh-huh. an e-commerce company. It could be a subscription company. It's just a company that was rooted in a technology-first, mobile-first, digitally-native uh, 
experience versus a company that wasn't. And I think the crux of it there is an opportunity for these, you know, digital incumbent companies, is a phrase I've heard used, to go through a bit of a digital transformation. So I think just my career, I came from a large e-commerce retailer uh, that was an Amazon subsidiary. And of course we had the, you know, the best tech and uh, resources that you could think of at our fingertips. While Orange Theory is a health and wellness company that is still technology tracked with data in its DNA, but at right. the same time, a bit of a greenfield opportunity to make investments in the right areas to make sure that the data-driven nature of Orange Theory is the best it can be. I think the health and wellness perspective, it, it for me at least, makes it more meaningful. You know, we're using the data to drive behavior right. that is not focused on, you know, clicking on more things and driving more ads and a variety of different things the data is used for, but really just making people more aware of their the uh, health and wellness. Wellness and focus on their health and wellness. So there's a, there's a, there's a factor there that, you know, is, is hard to overcome. Right. So data is pervasive today, especially for many companies that have been around for quite some time. On the contrary, many companies that accumulate a lot of data only end up using a fraction of it for a variety of reasons. Talk to us about how companies can effectively generate more value from their analytics operations. You know, I love that question. Uh, because just the way you phrased it is, is so accurate that everyone has realized data is important and data has become a form of currency. Uh, organizations are collecting more data than they know what to do with, which is good. It's great for people like me who are always yeah. looking for opportunities to operationalize large volumes of data for, for good. Uh, and I think that, you know, the advice I'll give is that it, while it is critical to accumulate your data because it will eventually prove to be a differentiating asset for you, it's also important to not get stuck in the trap of chasing after the fanciest solution where, oh, we have data, now we must do deep learning. We must do, uh, you know, highbrow artificial intelligence. Mm -hmm. I think that companies forget that identifying areas that have high levels of mundane repetitive activity are great opportunities for automation that your data can help you with. The ability right. to drive automation on extremely repetitive tasks to free up your domain experts time to focus on your differentiator is a tremendous value add that data can bring to the table with very simple analytics operations. Um, and the second piece I'll add there is, it is mind boggling at companies with large volumes of data, how many critical decisions are still made off of intuition, gut, and prior experience, rather than a simple data-driven decisioning process. So, you know, my, my suggestion, if there's one key takeaway, would be don't start with the fanciest, most expensive machine learning shop when you get started in your data journey. Talk to your stakeholders, talk to your various verticals, operations, marketing, finance, identify repetitive tasks, identify intuition-based decisions, and be a value add to those leaders because that's where the investment and the buy-in is going to come from. 
and without investment and buy-in, a data organization is likely destined to fail, is something I firmly believe. It, it, you can't just do it from the inside of the data organization. You need external customer investment and buy-in, and it needs to be pervasive throughout the DNA of the company that you're trying to turn into a data-driven, data-native organization. You, you gave a good example there where there's a lot of companies actually that um, collect a lot of data, right? And then when it comes to decision-making, they rely on prior experience. They don't look at the data. Is that because they don't trust the data? Or what, in your experience, what do you think causes that? And how can such leaders maybe change their way of thinking and how they look at data so that they can make well-informed decisions backed up by the data versus just prior experience? Yeah. So, you know, Orange Theory is a kind of science-backed, heart rate-based workout with data rooted in its DNA. So it's very, uh, it's based in evaluating the science and the data to enhance the members' workout experience as much as possible. So that mindset of being data-driven was an easier one for me to crack at Orange Theory because it's so deeply rooted in the way we do things. But uh, to answer your question... I don't think it's about, I don't think, I think it's about the difficulty with which, how hard it is to access the data sometimes. So keep in mind that when we say organizations collect data, that data is usually collected for a very specific purpose or very specific experience. You know, Uh it's not analytics ready. It's not analytics specific data assets. It's data assets that were an ancillary product of some other experience. So I think what we don't realize is the, importance of a strong data governance practice when it comes to having a shared language. Does everyone at your company mean the same thing when they use a metric name like conversion? You know, Mm -hmm. people have got various caveats and business logic that's encoded in their heads. So when two people are talking to each other, they're using the same words, but they mean different numbers. And I think that is critical to solve to actually become data-driven is the, the value of a shared language and that data governance layer is just absolutely critical. I think the lack of trust comes from, oh, well, that number in system A is different than, than what it is in system B. Right. And it's different than what it is in system C. And you know we have this mantra at Orange Theory where the currency of a good analytics organization is trust, not the data. So. You know, I think the, that, that's really key to the way we're going about our uh, initial data initiatives is establishing a shared practice, establishing strong data governance principles, establishing certified data sets so that they are, one, easy to access, two, when everybody talks about the data, the words they say and the numbers attached to those words are the same, they mean the same thing, uh, you know, and uh, I think those two are really critical. Really critical. Yeah, yeah. I think you hit the nail on the head there. You said the commonality actually goes a long way if everybody in the same company is meaning the same thing when they talk about a particular aspect. Um, there are plenty of benefits that companies can leverage for migrating their data to the cloud as opposed to keeping data on-prem. What strategies have you seen that may help legacy companies effectively migrate to the cloud? Uh, you know, I think that I'll give you a, a bit of a generic answer here. You know, I think that the 
I believe that there's clear advantages to be in the cloud. It's more affordable. Your, your costs are more predictable. I think that it helps you with scaling quickly, your CI/CD practices, et cetera, the overhead of the team you need to maintain. There's, there's innumerable pros. And there's some cons as well in terms of, you know, dependency on a single cloud solution and uh, wanting to, you know, maintain federated data assets for more secure secure data, you feel that data is more secure on, on prem. But the reality of it is that if we if we just assuming cloud's a better solution, we want to migrate to the cloud, which is my belief uh, as well. I think that you want to focus on your differentiator, which is as a company, you want to deploy your resources working on what's going to differentiate you as an organization and not on solved problems. And I think the migration of on-prem databases to cloud solutions is a relatively solved problem. And there's it's it's a it's a build versus buy decision. Uh-huh. Right. And I and I think that generally, not just for this one, you want your best resources to be focused on building your differentiators. So you very rarely want to be trying to do a thing in-house that there's a company that dedicates every waking moment to doing that thing efficiently, both from a cost and a time perspective, and well. So one of the principles we follow is you know, talent is hard to come by. Recruiting has been a bit of a nightmare. So, yes, especially now. Especially now. And I, I personally firmly believe that having my resources focused on building novel and differentiating pieces of technology and leveraging vendors where appropriate for things like migrating to the cloud is is step one, I believe, in 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 the strategic decision that you end up having to make. That's good. I actually have a question later on um, in the episode about talent, but we'll get to that. What are some of the ways that companies can go about ensuring that their data is not siloed and is essentially integrated across all lines of business? And how do you guys do it over at Orient Theory um, to the extent that you can share? That's a great question, Fred. And I think that there's two perspectives that we can come at this from. One is the data itself. Is the data stored in a centralized location? Is it a hub and spoke approach? Are you bringing in data from your various vendors and then making it available out to any vertical lines of business that need it for decision making? That is the approach that we've taken at Orange Theory. I'm a firm firm believer in making data easily accessible, but centralizing data in a data lake to guarantee data governance, shared language, a single source of truth. The second perspective is the people themselves. Uh, And I think that there's no right answer on whether you have centralized resources from an analytics perspective or decentralized resources. But I think there's a right answer on what you want the end state to be. You want want the data to be used correctly. You want the analytics rigor to be strong and right. You want the analytics process to not be the blocker when it comes to making decisions. And you want the data to be democratized and easily accessible. It's difficult to do all of that because a centralized analytics organization gives you the analytics rigor. It gives you an assurance that you're going to follow best practices anytime data is used. A decentralized model gives you faster access to data and data not being a blocker and resource constraints start constantly coming up. So at Orange Theory, we've taken a hybrid approach. We Uh have 
the program known as an embedded analyst program where we've got analytics resources funded and embedded inside each one of the lines of business, marketing, operations, fitness, et cetera. It's really cool. We have a fitness analyst who is on the fitness team focused on analyzing statistics, workouts, the member experience, and just making sure that the member experience is as personalized as it can be while providing members with their statistics and all those good details. So it's interesting the approach we've taken. What we're able to do is we're able to govern the analytics process and rigor through those embedded analysts and with the core analysts on the analytics team while unlocking the velocity of the lines of business by them prioritizing the work of mm -hmm. those embedded analysts. So the way to think of it is the lines of business prescribe the what, the analytics leaders prescribe the how, and that allows us to balance analytics rigor with uh, velocity while breaking down those silos and integrating our analytics resources. That's great. So my next question is gonna center around uh, talent. And, and the first one goes like this, technology advancements, right? Particularly in AI and machine learning are occurring at a very rapid pace. How do you motivate your teams to learn new skills to keep up with the latest technology innovations? You know, I mean, that's a great question. And I think that you wanna give your teams difficult problems to solve and interesting problems to solve that then require them to learn new skills or seek out new skills. I, I don't like the idea of making just learning new skills a requirement because, you know, it, it's like telling somebody to go back to school. How are you gonna apply, if, if you have an inherent uh, need to want to learn new things i like facilitating it by making opportunities available funding for education available etc and we do all of that but it's not a hard requirement i think it's easier to make the work interesting and unique and provide tough problems to solve that just make you need to learn new skills and i think that uh you know at our organization in particular orange series always had an emphasis on you know, digital experiences, science, technology. Dave Long, our CEO, is always looking to innovate the business and the member experience through technology. Our investments in data and analytics in the health science space is relatively novel given the type of data that we have available. So we have no shortage of an investment and a hunger for innovation and interesting and difficult problems to where we really can't keep up if we're not learning new skills. So it's just inherent to being on this team, I think. That's good. That's good. And you guys are doing a lot of things centered around technology, just based on what you described. And I think that's why you guys are the front uh, forefront of companies that are tying technology to, to healthcare and fitness. So the next question now uh, deals with the economy, especially now where we have, you know, very low unemployment rates. And that leads to a massive war for talent, especially given how the unemployment rate and we're seeing also inflation that's affecting the economy a mix of things that we've never really seen in the past. Explain to us how you go about attracting and retaining top talent for your data and AI teams. Data and AI has always been an area where talent's difficult to recruit. And I think that external factors and context aside, there are a few principles that I've kind of stuck to while recruiting uh, in this space. One is I don't, you can't undervalue the importance of a strong purpose. Mm -hmm. So I think one thing that orange theory gives me is the ability to sit down in an interview and assure the resources that we're bringing in that the work will be meaningful, the work will be impactful, it will 
it will it will affect it will affect the population in a in society in a positive and meaningful way and in a proven way where we see these results in the data of our members i think it's difficult to just state how valuable being able to say that and mean it and believe it has been in i think having people join our team so a example is in the year in the last year and 10 months that i've been at orange theory mm-hmm. our team has gone from four people to 30 people oh, some wow. of the some of the best minds in data science and machine learning and analytics top notch talent has joined our team in orange theory and it's honestly not felt like it's been hard i don't want to say it's easy but i think that we are we have the luxury of a very strong and purpose driven brand okay that alleviate the difficulty of recruiting so you know i mean anyone will tell you that 24 resources in under 2 years in the data analytics space is that's I that's very impressive you know especially now where a lot of companies are struggling to to attract top talent let alone retain um that is a testament i believe of um what you guys stand for if you're able to aggressively recruit like that yeah and you know a shameless plug here fred we're still recruiting and actively looking for more people <laughs> and, oh, and, oh. and you know what for those people that are listening that may be interested in applying for roles at orange theory i think there's a lot of tips that you can glean from listening to this podcast absolutely all right and you know so, one i'll add is just doing cool stuff fred like you know we have our chief music officer role it's world renowned artist dj producer steve aoki he's working closely with our fitness team scoring this heart pumping original setlist they serve as a soundtrack for our workout series called all out with aoki but then our data and analytics resources get to look at the beats per minute of the track correlated to the heart rate of the members and what do you get to do that man what do you get to do stuff like that, that? that's It's, fun especially you know, if you're a steve aoki fan which i am exactly. <laughs> oh, oh yeah saturday you know, this this coming saturday is our next all out aoki workout and i think it's the fifth one and it's just unbelievably fun uh and you know the first workout around theory is always free so as a steve aoki fan i would recommend if you go to the aoki workout each second of the track is lined up with what you're doing in the studio that's impressive and the heart rate, it's just it's a beautiful experience it really is good all right um my last question is one of my favorite questions because you get asked this very same question and get very different responses okay because we have guests that have varied backgrounds and have different upbringings different experiences throughout their professional careers and the question is what has helped you to get to where you are and what word of advice would you give to someone that wants to pursue a career that's similar to yours you know it's it's a i hate i hate i hate this question because i don't know the secret source i don't know i don't have like an answer to how and, and that's the beauty of it because it's going to be very unique to just you yeah yeah exactly but the reality of it is that i've always lived my career with the principle of and i and i always tell my 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 team this when i hire them as well right is never let it stop being meaningful and never let it stop being fun are the two key principles that i've kind of any time the work felt like it wasn't meaningful or impactful or it stopped being fun and felt like a burden i've looked for something different uh or 
you know, let's say that if something more meaningful came along, I've taken the opportunity, I've avoided saying no. And I think that what that's helped me with is you are always doing right by the brand you work for if you truly believe in what that brand's trying to do. That's just the reality of it. And when you believe in the work you're doing, the quality of the output of your work is inherently higher. A more tactical part of that answer as well is it is work staying on top of this field and continuing to be ahead of everything that's changing in the field of data and analytics and machine learning. Absolutely. One thing I'll say is no matter how high up in a leadership position you get, you cannot get complacent on staying ahead of the technology and having a general understanding of where the technological landscape of the field is because one, you will lead your team in a not good direction because you will fall behind what the latest changes are. And Mm -hmm. two, it's really difficult to lead the best in the field if you don't understand what they're talking about. So I think just staying on top of your field and focusing on believing in what you're working on is at least my combination to just continue growing in my career. And that's a unique combination. Um, Appreciate you talking to us today, Amin. It's been a great pleasure. Likewise, Fred. Thanks for having me. Great questions. Really enjoyed talking with you today. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Ivy Podcast. Please take a moment to rate, review, and subscribe on your preferred podcast listening platform. We really appreciate that effort. Until next time.